Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. And I'm going to talk really seriously today because you know I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to tell you the truth. So I'm going to tell you the truth. This has happened to me many times in the, for, uh, well, wow, 50 years now that, that the Lord called me to serve him. And when a person comes to me with a struggle, very often I will say, well, do you have a rhema word from God? Now, most of you, many of you probably know what a rhema word is, but I'm still going to tell you just in case you don't, because I know something when I was a new believer, more mature believers would use terminology and phrases, and I would just smile and pretend I knew what they're talking about because I didn't want to sound dumb. But I learned that's just not right. We need to be sensitive to all people, and we're all in different places, and God loves us where we are. And so, rhema, I'm just going to read what the actual Greek meaning is. It means to speak a spoken word made by a living voice. To speak a spoken word made by a living voice. It's different than the logos. There's two Greek words for word. One is rhema, one is logos. Logos is the written word. Anybody can, can open the book and read the written word. You can pull your promise out of your promise box or out of your devotional, and that's fine. But until it becomes revelation to you, it's just a written word. I'm going to prove to you that it is by the rhema word of God that we should live and move and have our being. Thayer, which is an excellent Greek interpretation, says rhema means a spoken word commonly used in the New Testament for the Lord speaking his dynamic living in a believer to in birth faith. It is his inner persuasion. So when you get a rhema word from God, that's when faith is in birth in you. I'm going to give you some scriptures. There's more than 72 references to rhema. We don't have time for all that today, but I'll give you a few. So over the years, I will ask people, and I'll tell them what it is if they don't know, do you have a rhema word from God regarding your situation? I can honestly say that the majority of people do not. And so my job will be through the anointing of counsel to bring them to that place. And I, I, I sit there and I watch it where all of a sudden the eyes are open. All of a sudden they can see. All of a sudden they know what to do. All of a sudden they know where to go. All of a sudden they know what God is saying. Many of you have experienced that. Some have not, but you will. I was thinking of a particular individual who was in a very, very, very serious situation. Very serious. I mean, very serious. And I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear. I wasn't hearing the scripture. I wasn't hearing that in birthing, that divine persuasion. So I said to the individual, 
Do you have a rhema word from God? Has God in birth a promise in you for your situation? Because I knew in this situation, only that would deliver this person from peril. There was a pause. Now, whenever there's a pause, I know the answer. But because she was talking to Sandy Ross, it was like, well, I've got to come up with something. <laughs> and so after the pause, blurted out a scripture, a very well-known scripture. And, but I knew it was Logos. I knew it wasn't Rhema. I could tell. I mean, I, I could tell there was not faith coming forth. It was just head knowledge. You see, Rhema is in here. It is I know that I know that I know that God has spoken to me and no devil in hell is going to take it from me. Whereas Logos is, this is a great scripture. It really encourages me. It is written. It's right here. But I'm not sure I really believe it. And I really hear this voice saying, has God said? I've decided I'm bringing this every time because we need to pick this up again. It's fine to read it on your phone or your whatever device. But I'm telling you, it doesn't replace this. I just know it. I just know it. And, you know, you can pick up any Bible in my house, and I'm telling you, you can't see the black writing because it's all highlighted. So, time went on. The person's situation grew increasingly worse. And to the point where they were driven to professional help. And asked me to be sometimes part of that professional help. And so I agreed to that. It was very time consuming. And one day in front of the professional, I said to the person, I thought I'm going to throw that out again. And I said, do you have a rhema word from God? Because I'm not hearing one. And then the truth came out, no. But I'm taking next week off from work to hear. And I said, I want to encourage you. Now, mind you, I wasn't the professional getting paid. <laughs> but what I want you to do is nothing but sit in the presence of the Lord for that whole week until you hear from him. Because it is the, the anointing that will destroy the enemy's yoke over your life. And it is the anointing on that rhema living persuasion, that in-birthing persuasion that will deliver you. So will you take the entire week and sit in the presence of God and don't pray about anything else, but just hear his voice? Yes, I will. Well, it didn't happen. And sad to say, that person was never delivered. So we're not talking today about head knowledge. We're talking about that in-birthing living persuasion, the spoken word made by a living voice from here, from your core, your spirit being. Because remember, your three parts, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So spiritual order is always spirit first, and then your mind, will, and emotions, and then your body. But I'm telling you, most human beings put their body first. And that's, we're bombarded with it every day, every, the latest beauty things. And, you know, I've, I fell into the 
trap of all the online advertisements a couple of times now because you know it's just you're going to be flawless if you use this makeup you won't have a flaw in your body and you know you're going to be perfect and all you it's a facelift in a jar <laughs> let me save you some money they don't work so there's a thing in the bible a law it's called the law of first mention and what that law says is when something is mentioned for the first time, now nobody can teach this like Rick, but I'll give it a, a try. When something is mentioned for the first time, it typically will follow that thread throughout the scripture. The law first mentioned for Rhema is a scripture I bet you could quote with me. It's Matthew 4, 4. When Jesus said, when, remember Satan said, if you're the son of God, command these stones be made bread. And, and Jesus said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. So right there he said, your very life is dependent on the rhema that you receive from heaven. And that's why I live my life by rhema. I really do. I think the logos is great, powerful. I love it. Man, I'll just, I could put lipstick all over this. But it is the rhema that living persuasion, that living voice of God, the spoken word by a living voice that will give you the power to live your life in victory and above the snake line. And for those of you who don't know what that means, you know, most of you know, I love the mountains. You can have the beach. Give me the mountains. And I really enjoy getting high enough up that I'm above the snake line because there's a certain altitude that snakes cannot live in. And I think that's so exciting. Now, there are mountain lions and bears, but at least you can see them. <laughs> Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of Christ. So faith doesn't just come. See, this is why it's beneficial to study the original language. Faith doesn't come by just reading this. It comes when the living voice of God speaks to you through it. I'm going to give you a few examples today from just my own personal life. Here's some of my favorite. Luke 1.37. This was to the angel Gabriel to Mary, but it applies to us. It was spoken to her and for us. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no rhema from God shall be without power. Or impossible of fulfillment. So do you see why just pulling a scripture out of the promise box is not going to give you the power to overcome? It has to be revelation from the Holy Spirit. And he is not withholding from any one of us. He's not withholding from any one of us. We are the ones that withhold because we don't give him our undivided attention. And Jesus will never force his way into our ears. Never. That would be the devil. How many of you have to sit still and get quiet just so you can hear the lies? You can hear the lies, whatever you're doing, can't you? Driving in the car, talking with friends, you'll be at a lunch, you'll be in a group, and all of a sudden that lying voice comes to you. And I could stand here for an hour and give you all of the lies, but you already know what those are. 
But to hear that, to, to get that living voice, you've got to get quiet. Because Jesus is a gentleman. He's not a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a dove. But he was like a dove. What does that mean? He's gentle. And you know doves have fixed eyes. They can't look to the right. They can't look to the left. They're fixed. And in the Song of Solomon, the bridegroom says to the bride, you've got dove's eyes. They're fixed. We talked about that some last week. Luke 138. And then Mary said to the rhema word of God, no rhema from God shall be impossible of fulfillment. And then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your rhema. See, she received the revelation and it gave her the power to allow the spirit of God to overshadow her and impregnate her with Jesus Christ. Although she had never known a man. Hebrews 4.12, here's logos. For the logos or the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, active, operative, energizing, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing, sifting, analyzing, judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. This is the logos word. This word is alive and full of power, but it is not that in you until it becomes rhema to you. So in a minute, we're going to divide soul and spirit. John 6, 63. Here's rhema. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit, whatever. The rhema that I have been speaking to you are spirit and life. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the rhema of eternal life. Now, like I said, there's more than 72 references, so obviously we can't do that. But this was, I think, my favorite because I never realized it. Several years ago, we, in a summer Bible study, we did Journey of a Lifetime, and it was on putting on the full armor of God. And you know, I didn't realize until I sat before the presence of the Lord and allowed the Holy Spirit to be rivers of living water in me, that part of our spiritual armor is rhema. Ephesians 6, 13 and 17, therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place and then enlist spiritual armor, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. So your spiritual armor is not just opening the book and quoting scriptures and trying to scare the devil away and change your circumstances and what can I find now? That will do nothing. Your spiritual armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. This is how you fight your battles. This is how I knew what my calling was. Decades ago, when I read Psalm 68, 11 and 12, that the women who proclaim the good news are a great army. The women who proclaim the good news, the word of God, are a great army. Kings will flee, and she who remains at home will divide the spoil left behind. That's how I knew I was called 
to teach the word of God, that I would proclaim the word of God's power with others and we would send the enemy to flight because I had a rhema from God. I've had many, many, many. I could stand here all day. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word or the rhema of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Now, let me just tell you something. Do you think God believes his own work? The worlds were framed by the rhema of God, and that's how we frame our world. When, uh, when we first started having women's events, we had, uh, was Daughters of Zion the first one, Cindy? And then Leading Ladies? Oh, Leading Ladies was first, and then Daughters of Zion. But then one day, Cindy said to the Lord, what do you want to say to your women? That's all she had to do was ask. Do you think the Lord was withholding or was he waiting? What do you want to say to your women? And it, we were chosen. Was it Ephesians? And were, were chosen before the foundation of the world? Yeah. He picked us out for himself, and he chose us before the foundation of the world. He wanted his women to know we are chosen, and, and, the, and the men too. <laughs> I don't want you to think you're not, gentlemen. And then for the very first one, he gave her a rhema word that we were a fragrance of Christ. This year, the rhema word is power. We live by every rhema word. You need a rhema word for your family. I have so many for if you're married, for your husband, for your children. I knew I was to have three children because God gave me a rhema word from scripture. I didn't want three. I wanted two. And after I had the third, I didn't necessarily want her because she didn't sleep. I do now. So glad I have her. But I was so mentally and physically exhausted. But I had a rhema word, and I knew what each of my children would become. So this is how you do it. You frame your world with the word of God. And everything I decree from my place of authority, seated with Christ, is because God has given me revelation on it. His living voice has in birth persuasion in me. I'm going to give you just a few, um, and I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again because I'm going to actually read you the scripture that God gave to me. You know, in my early days especially, I started out traveling, and oh, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. I mean, I spent the 20, first 20 years of my life traveling all over because my dad was in the military, and you know, I was always being uprooted. I was being you know, ripped away from people that I loved and, and uh, spent two years in a foreign country, which I'm very grateful for now. But I wasn't very grateful when I was 15, 16, 17, 18. It was hard. I'm grateful I've gotten to see other parts of the world. I am grateful for that. But I didn't want a traveling ministry, but everybody was telling me that's what I was supposed to do. Because it's like Rick says, Jesus loves you and everyone else has a plan for your life. 
And you know, what we do as humans is we look at the anointing on somebody and we decide how that is to manifest. But I had a rhema word from Psalm 92 to be planted in the house of the Lord. And that was literal for me. And to flourish in the courts of my God, it was literal for me. And it was strenuous and straining for me to go travel, to leave my children. I'll never forget when it was the last nail in the coffin. And Pam was with me, and I don't remember where we were going. But I was backing out of my driveway. It was you and I think it was one or two others in the car, I don't remember. I was backing out, and Courtney was a baby still. I mean, maybe she was one, one-ish. And Randy was holding her on his hip, and, the, and my other two little girls were standing there. You know, they were kind of weepy, and they were standing there waving to me while I was backing out. And I went, this isn't working. It's not working. But I didn't want to disobey the Lord if that's what God wanted me to do. Because my heart has always been, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. And if you want me to do this, Lord, put it in me. Because, see, the Bible says his commandments are not burdensome. And so I sought him. I mean, I sought him on my knees. I prayed. I knew I could not be released until I had a rainbow word from God. And one day, there was a 21-day prayer focus that a ministry was doing. And I did it every day. I, you know, you, I would read the scripture and then read whatever devotional it was and make the decrees and the prayer focus. And I was reading the scripture and rhema came to me. Now, let me explain something to you. This may not have been written to you, but it is written for you. So this particular word was to Jeremiah the prophet, and I know that. But when I read it, you hear, you hear the expression, it leapt off the page. What was that? Just so I get it literally, I'm going to read the definition again. A spoken word made by a living voice. A commonly used in the New Testament for the Lord speaking his dynamic living voice in a believer to in-birth faith. I read this and that's exactly what happened. It was a spoken word made by a living voice. And it was Jeremiah 40 and verse 4. Now see, I am freeing you today from the chains on your hands. Your hands are your works. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, that's the world, come. And I will keep an eye on you and look after you well. But if it seems bad to you to come with me, then do not do it. Behold, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good, right, and convenient for you to go, go there. As the Lord clearly, that living persuasion, that living voice, daughter, I'm giving you the choice. And, and look at the promise. Either way, you won't go wrong. Whatever seems good to you, do it. Jeremiah 42.10, and it went on. If you will remain in this land, this is after I made the choice. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pull you up. Wow. And that's exactly what he's done. After, the, after he birthed that in me. Now, for others, it's different. He may say go. But you know what? I can go anywhere in the world. 
I have people that watch me in Africa, Joyce's sister. I have people that have uh, uh, messaged me from Europe and all over the United States. Isn't that awesome? I can go anywhere in the world and never leave. For others, it's different. I'm just telling you me. Many years ago, we, were, um, we had been invited to go on a cruise. Now, I know some of you love cruises. Help yourself. <laughs> I went on one. No, thank you. I don't, unless God anoints me to walk on water, I don't like being confined on a boat in the middle of the ocean. That's just not my thing. And the first night, there was a storm at sea. And I got extremely n- not good. And I'll never forget it, because you know how on cruises, everybody, has anybody in here never been on a cruise? Save your money. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, it, it can be beautiful. The ships are wonderful, and the food is dynamic. You know, the saying, lose 10 pounds before you go, because you will gain 10 pounds on the cruise. And so I... Um, I was so sick, so, so sick. I mean, the boat was, and we had an inner cabin, so I couldn't, I couldn't see out, which would have helped. And I'll never forget, they had this thing called Midnight Buffet, and I was so, so, so sick, so nauseous. And Randy came in with a tray of cheese (laughs) and held it under my nose and told me to eat something. And you don't even want to know what came out of my mouth. (laughs) But I was really praying about should we do this? And it ended up being very redemptive. It really did. I really prayed. And I was seeking God. I mean, I said, Lord, I need a clear answer from you. Are we to do this? Because financially, we were not in a place to do it. Um, You know, my children were little. It was an eight-day cruise. and, And I was reading the scripture. And God, the Lord was talking to the Apostle Paul. But Paul was doing what I was doing. He said, Lord, do I go? And, and the Spirit of God said, arise and get down and go with them, doubting nothing. Again, it was that living voice. He, wasn't, he was talking to Paul, but he spoke to me. And I know that to this day he did, so that I could say I've been on a cruise. <laughs> but God did a lot. During that time, the finances came in supernaturally. All the provision was made. He said, go with them doubting nothing. And that's what he did. And we had gone with with somebody else. And it was very, very redemptive. Another example, I've given this many times before. Uh, Years and years and years ago, I was praying one day. And I was reading Romans 13. And you probably know the scripture. It says, oh, no man anything but to love. But... In the Amplified Classic, it says, oh, no man, keep out of debt. And we were in debt. We had a house payment, as do most people. But that, it was a living voice that spoke to me. Get out of debt. And I said, yes, sir. I have no idea how. We don't have the money to pay off this house. We still owed a lot of money. But, sir, if this is what you say, I call this house sold. No, I mean paid off or whatever. Not sold. (laughs) I did call it sold when we bought it. But, you know, I call this house debt-free. In Jesus' name, the Bible says, you shall decree a thing, it shall be established. So, Lord, I am establishing your word right now. 
I decree debt freedom. And I thought, Randy's never going to go for this. And I went to him. and Because it wasn't hard for us. It wasn't a house payment that was a struggle. It was easy for us to make the house payment. It wasn't a problem. But I had a rhema word from God. I went to him and I said, Randy, I was praying this morning. I told him the story. He said, I'll get an agreement with that. And in three months, an unexpected windfall happened. And it was more than enough. We tithed. We paid off our house, took the family on a vacation, had some left over. Why? Because I had a living word from God. And I'm here today to encourage you. Get your living word from God. All you have to do is get quiet and hear his voice. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to you that you can hear his voice. It's all about listening to the voice of the shepherd. You know, we spend so much time experimenting. We really do. I mean, we experiment, we experiment, we experiment, we experiment. We try this, we try that. And sometimes that's okay. But when it comes to life decisions, it's not okay. John 10, 1. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the, the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate for him. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd because he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. If you say, I can't hear God, you are calling him a liar. If you have given your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you haven't, you can do that right now. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Live as my Savior and my Lord. Take my life and fulfill your purpose. And then get into a, a good word-teaching church like this one and get baptized. Get baptized in water. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. And put yourself in a position to be, to, be, to be a disciple, which means a learned one. Study the word. But Jesus said, my sheep know his voice and they follow me. And he says, they will never follow the voice of a stranger because they don't know the voice of a stranger. Now, that's what leads up to John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, that is a rhema word to me. Then my shepherd said, I can hear his voice. My shepherd said, run from the voice of a stranger. And let me give you the Greek. In Greek, the word know means to be aware, behold, consider, and perceive. So I have to consider his voice. Follow means to be in the same way with. If he says walk in love, I'm in the same way with him. I'm going to walk in love, even though people are not always lovely. You ever notice when someone has a bad attitude, you get one? The problem is that's when you have the opportunity. When somebody else is being ugly, you have an opportunity. Now, Randy and I have disagreements when he's driving. And when I'm driving, it's even worse because he's a backseat driver and I can't stand it. Thank you, Lewis. Some years ago, he ruptured a disc in his neck. 
he had to, he wore one of those braces, had to have emergency surgery and couldn't drive. So I became his driver. And I now know what hell on earth is like. <laughs> I am not kidding. And so one day I said, if you say another word, you are not going to have a driver. And I mean it. And so we're driving along, we're on the highway, and, and I'm not going overly fast because I'm considering that I have a husband that just had major surgery that has a brace on his neck. And all of a sudden, Courtney was in the car. He goes, Courtney, isn't it wonderful that the speed limit here is 70? I said, that did it. I'm pulling over. You're walking. But the Bible says we flee from the voice of a stranger. That word flee means to flee away, to seek safety by flight, to run away. So when you hear those lying words, I'm going to go over a few of them in a moment. That's when you flee. How do you do that? You stand up and you say what God says. Write it down. If you write it down, you write it in. I don't think it's enough to put it in your device. I write everything out. I started a new journal. I, I'm actually reading the Psalms in the Passion. And when something's bred to me, Rhema word, I'm writing it down and I'm going back over, reading it again, reading it again, reading it again, reading it again. So I'm asking you today, and we're going to finish, what bread are you living by? What rhema word do you have? If you don't, you can. Because the sheep hear his voice. They know his voice and follow him. I get in that same path as my shepherd. I love in the Song of Solomon in chapter 1, the shepherd tells the Shulamite, who was feeling very bad about herself. I mean, she basically said, I, I'm ugly. I'm sunburned. Why would you look at me? And he, he looks at her and he says, if you don't know the path, just follow the shepherd. The voice of the thief or the stranger, in case you don't already know this, speaks doubt. Has God said, can you really hear him? I don't know his voice. The voice of the stranger speaks unbelief, fear, panic, worry, anxiety, insecurity, inferiority, inadequacy, rejection, lack, shortage, depression, darkness, confusion, hopelessness, bitterness, judgments, faults, no joy, wavering, shame. And here's the big word, diminished. The stranger always wants you to make you feel small, little, and insignificant. But the voice of the shepherd always speaks love, hope, and goodness, and mercy, and joy, and peace, and security, and value, that you're cherished, that you're healthy, your well-being is great. You have power, authority, a sound mind, prosperity in your soul, supply, the wisdom of God. You are enough through Jesus. You are significant, and he values you. What voice are you listening to? I'm going to close by reading the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to read it from the Passion for one reason, because it's easy for it to become rote. At my sister's funeral, I did the burial. And I told a story. I've told it many times in here. I'm going to tell it again, because it's one of my all-time favorite stories. It's a true story of an actor who had such beautiful prose. People applauded him, and he asked the audience, anything you want, I'll do. And 
an old man stood up and he said, will you recite the 23rd Psalm? And the actor did. He was eloquent. He was powerful. Everybody stood up and cheered and gave him a standing ovation. And then the actor looked at the old man and he said, would you say the 23rd Psalm? And in a broken voice, he began, the Lord is my shepherd. Nobody stood up. Nobody applauded. But there wasn't a dry high in the house. Not one. The actor looked at the audience and he said, I know the 23rd Psalm, but this man knows the shepherd. So I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm from the Passion, and then we'll close. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the bright path. He leads me along his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. And then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray for everybody in my hearing, and I ask you, Lord, that your spirit, your precious spirit of truth, your precious spirit of comfort, of counsel, of help, of learning, of knowledge, of peace, will minister a rhema word that they may live by it in every area of their lives, in every path they take. For your word says they are pleasant paths of peace. And so I pray, Lord, that from this moment forward, every one of us will live only by one thing, every word that proceeds out of your mouth, that we will fight from a position of victory and not for victory. Fear will never conquer us because you already have. Thank you, good and great shepherd. I love you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your fatherhood. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. We're not alone. Lord, I just want to lift up again those families that have suffered such tragedy yesterday.
Comfort them as only you can, Lord. And in their mourning, show them hope for their future. And Lord, give them some, whatever understanding they need to go forward. Let them experience the redemption. Even like, Lord, I'm thinking of the woman whose child was killed by a drunk driver and then started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. She turned her pain into purpose. I pray for those who are suffering tragedy now that you will show them how to use their pain for purpose. And for all of us, Lord, where we've suffered, turn the table on the thief. Give us the power to not live in a state of being diminished. For you said, Lord, if we humble ourselves under your hand, you would lift us up and make our lives significant. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.